welcome to this episode of The Talent Fix. I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Coleman. Adam is founder and CEO of HR Locker V2, an Irish SaaS HRIS platform serving customers in Ireland, UK and the US, allowing them to manage and recruit their employees better. In his earlier days, Adam was one of the first hires in ESAT Digifone, where he progressed to head of HR for UK and Ireland. And in fact, Adam's first job was working in recruitment with Hayes Montrose initially, and then Professional Placement Group. So Adam has spent six years in recruitment, eight years in HR management, and 14 years in HR consulting. I think it's fair to say Adam is a full stack HR professional. I think like if we launch straight into it, Adam, and just to get kind of your thoughts, you know, in, in terms of how you see the current industry and what do you see as, I suppose, the key trends in the recruitment sector today? It really depends on the sectors and it depends at what level, because I, I tend to look at recruitment, what's happening, for instance, in hospitality recruitment or what's happening in exec search recruitment or in SaaS recruitment or telecoms recruitment are all different all the time. And an example of that would be when I was in Digifone in 2001, when the dot-com bubble burst and there was major casualties in all the IT side and development side, I was in telecoms, which was completely unaffected. So I think you have to look at it from a sector perspective and you have to look at it from a level perspective. In other words, at what stage, whether it's the junior roles, really, really senior roles and what sector. So okay, and is there, yeah, yeah, I mean, if we look at, you know, I mean, if we look at it from the context of maybe challenges that you, you think are facing businesses today, you know, obviously, you know, you're providing HR services to a wide, wide range of enterprises. You know, is there any common trends that you're seeing when it comes to recruitment challenges? Are you talking from a recruiter's perspective or a company perspective? No, excuse me. From a company perspective, when it comes to hiring talent, what do you think the biggest challenges that companies are facing today? I think that it's the same challenge that has been there since year dot. The interview is a ludicrous situation where if I was to ask you, Barry, if you walked into a bar and you talked excessively about yourself for an hour and 15 minutes, how many people would listen to you? And the interview is similar to that. As an individual, you're actually allowed to talk about yourself for an hour plus, which you're not used to doing. And also people will intently listen and ask you questions, which you're not prepared for in any way, shape or form. So part of the problem in the recruitment industry is the prep that from both angles, from an employer's perspective, is if they set up that environment for people to talk in this interview format, they're not going to get proper data. And we've been educating people to do this for years and years and years. And what it does is it provides basically false data for people to make decisions on whether people are going to be successful in roles or not if the interviewing and the selection isn't done correctly. Sure. So does that mean that I mean, as a from an interviewer's point of view, that we should be leaning on the testing side more, psychometric testing, et cetera, in order to make decisions? No, I wouldn't touch psychometric te- uh, testing for making recruitment decisions in any way, shape or form. Psychometric testing is for developmental purposes. And sure. as, as a, a practitioner of various different types of tests, such as the 16PF, Thomas International, Myers-Briggs, and the one that I love most is Insights Discovery. Um, That's it, Insights Discovery, is it? Yes. Can I just ask, why do you think that one's the 
because when I set up a HR consultancy back in 2003, I knew I needed a tool. And while I was trained on ETC, Thomas International, Myers-Briggs, we did a lot of work within the marketplace and we decided to run with Insights Discovery as our developmental psychometric, I suppose, product of choice to the point that I ended up being a distributor of it. I ended up selling it for changing culture within businesses. And I also wrote their interview chapter, which they weren't using. And I challenged Andy Lodian at the time uh, in Clare, where they held a worldwide conference, which we had it down here in 2007, which was very interesting. The one in Amsterdam the following year was even more interesting, but we won't go into that. <laughs> and I stood up at the Amsterdam one and I said to Andy, I said, Andy, I said, like, your interview chapter is illegal, doesn't work, it's rubbish. And he said, yeah, you're right. He said, now fix it. Because they had no interest in selling it because they didn't believe that insights should be used for selection. So I basically revamped it for them, made it legal, and I don't think they've used it to date, but we used it. He was nervous about getting people to use it because he felt that if people weren't trained to interview correctly, that they would take false readings from it. Yeah. So psychometrics to me is a developmental tool. It should never be used as an interview tool. The actual, and you're going to laugh at this, and I, and this is fact, but I don't agree with it, to be honest with you. The best predictor of a person doing a job in the future is handwriting analysis. I haven't heard that before now. They've done studies on it. And I know it sounds bizarre, Barry, but yeah. and I don't necessarily agree with the analysis, the data, but they proved that handwriting analysis was a better way of predicting a person's performance rather than interviewing or psychometrics or anything like that. Now, we don't use handwriting analysis. So I just put it out there. Okay. For, for okay. But that's okay. how crazy and how, how in-depth some of the studies have gone, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's that example, isn't it? That correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation in a way, you know, so you could look at that's where data can be misinterpreted, correct? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and you have to be so careful about that. But I suppose you've gone down that path now. I would be interested to know, like, what is, what attributes do you think? Because this is what every interviewer wants to know, every recruiter wants to know. What attributes should I be testing for in order to, you know, guarantee the best uh, outcome for success for this individual? Pick a job. Well, HR manager. HR manager. Okay. My favorite job, huh? <laughs> if I was looking for a HR manager, what I would do first off is I'd write out a spec or in with today's tools, I'd probably go to chat GPT and get them to churn out a spec for a HR yeah. manager for a SaaS company. And I'd have a look at it and I'd say, okay, that sounds interesting. How do we differ from that? Then I'd add into that specification, I'd add in the culture within HR Locker of what we expect from people. And then we run our company based against currently eight principles, which have been all developed inside the business. And a lot of them are going to be very, very obvious to people when I give you the titles, which will be teamwork, flexibility, initiative and execution, trust and truth, ownership, resilience and empathy, and customer focus. And the final one is motivational fit. Okay. okay. And what we what we have done in what I did in Digiphone in a smaller degree and what I've done in a larger degree in, in, in HR Locker, is these are all things of how we want people to work. So what we do as a management team, we come up with a title, we come up with a definition, which means nothing, by the way. Then we present it to the employees within the business, and we ask them what good looks like under this. So what we're doing is we're building a constitution, a behavioral or principle-based constitution for our business. And the way we interview, if it's a HR manager's role, because it'd be very, very important, the first thing we do is we put the spec out there, we put it on to our ATS hire, 
and it'd go out to all of these places, LinkedIn, Indeed, Twitter, Facebook, our own website, Monster, Glassdoor, to name but a few. And what's happening in the industry at the moment is that people aren't reading the specs. And I'll give you a really good example. We're about to appoint somebody to our modern workplace division, which is a combination of a recruiter and a HR person, right? Where we want them to look at hiring, not hiring, we want them to look at finding good HR consultants who want to partner with us. And we want to basically build their, help them build, retain business using HR Locker as a as sort of a keystone to that, right? We got 175 responses. Of the 175 responses, I think we called it, we called the role HR Partner Recruitment Executive, Modern Workplace. We got 184 responses. Of that 184 responses, I would say 130 of them thought we were looking for an in-house recruiter. So what that says to me is that they didn't even read the spec, okay? So one part of it is, from a candidate's perspective, they're going out there and they're sending CVs everywhere, right? And they're not actually looking at their CV. They're not tailoring their CV for the role. They're not doing – most of them, they have an option of putting in a a cover letter. 50% of them didn't even bother putting a cover letter in. And then we have about six or seven questions that we ask, right? Nothing outrageous. It's like, what do you know about us? You know, why are you looking to move? The normal questions. What's your current salary? What's your expectations? And again, if people don't tell us what their current salary is and what their expectations are, if they're way outlandish, we just don't call them for interview. So it's be able to develop the open and honest and trust from day one, because that's what we would expect within the company. Sure. But there's just palaver built around negotiation around salaries and all this sort of stuff, which is brought together by how companies operate, how recruiters operate, and how candidates are told they should operate. Yeah. Okay. And that is the biggest problem with recruitment at the moment. Okay. No, that's that's a really interesting point. And I think we started out chatting about the interview process. You compared it, you know, which was uh, which I haven't heard before, but, you know, it is interesting when you think about the interview process, you know, being compared to walking into a bar and, and being asked to talk for 20 minutes and who'd listen, which is... Obviously, um, you only interview people for 20 minutes, Barry. We do uh, at least an hour and 15, but go on. It, that's <laughs> it. But go on. But... It got me thinking about the interview process and how it's something that really hasn't changed in maybe 50 plus years. And do you like, I mean, I take from what you're saying that you think it is broken in some way and it's not effective in its current format. How do you think it's going to evolve in the future? Well, I can only give you a sample of one, Barry, of what works for us and yeah. what has been really working for us. And and what, what has worked for me, even when I was in HR consulting and when I was an recruiter, is the open and transparency of it. Is When you get the candidate in, You sit them down, you relax, you get them to talk as they would talk normally and you ask questions and you appear interested and they don't feel like they're being grilled. They feel like they're telling a story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They're telling the story of their career. They're telling the story of what they like about companies as a recruiter, as a professional recruiter. You want to know why they want to move, where they want to move, what's behind their move. Is it money? Which is not a bad thing if it's money, right? So people think it's always a bad thing. It's not. Is it flexibility? Is it package? There's too much focus on salary as well and not on deferred gratification. So what I mean by that is with options and stuff like that. And and I think the recruiters should be educating the candidates to what share options mean, what strike price means on share options, what the whole picture is. But I think it's gone too fast and furious. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of it is unprofessional. 
I would okay. say there's about 10 to 15 percent of the recruiters out there that are worth their weight in gold. And then there's an awful lot of stuff that's just firing CVs all over the place. And this includes the candidates firing them at the companies. And it includes the recruiters firing sure. them at the, at the, the companies. And that just leads to loads of wasted time, yeah. wasted energy and people not working out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we'd be advocates of companies working with one recruitment partner for sure. But I, I think from what you're saying is you want to put the candidate in an environment to allow him or her perform at her his or her best. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you say yeah. perform, I, I don't even like the term perform. Perform okay. means like they're on a stage and you've automatically put it back to where it was before. You don't want a person to perform an interview. You want them to tell you their story. You want to find out what they did, why they did it, and what the result of it was. And you want specific examples and specific data. Not that I've always done this or I've always done that. And what you would have known probably in the last 20 years, which has been around for a long time now, is behavioral interviewing. It's where you're asking people against a set uh, criteria behaviors. And the questions that you're asking them are very relevant. And the best examples you can get from the candidate are the ones that are most recent, the ones that are most like the target job, and the one that holds the most impact. Okay. So all you're looking for is what they did. So when Great. you can assess that, you can assess that against the principle or behavior in that business, and then you can score that data. Great. And the Great. most important part of that at the end is a thing called motivational fit. Are they motivated to work for you, to work for your company, to work the style of company you are, the type of culture you are, for the amount of money that you, you're offering, and for the total package that you're offering? And the location or with remote working location isn't that important anymore. But I think the employer needs to know what location it is because for tax purposes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's more them telling their story of how they've got to where they are and where they want to go and what they've done to get there. I mean, that's really good advice. And I'm conscious of time, Adam. So I'd love to just finish off with one question, which is just around looking a little bit to the future and looking at you know, what you in HR Locker or what you think, you know, your clients will be doing differently when it comes to recruitment? I think a lot of clients have a lot of work to do in regards to bringing their recruitment up to normal practices before you start talking about AI and all that sort of stuff, which I know is where you want me to go to. And I think with the, the likes of chat GPT and AI, et cetera, I think it's very, very important if you talk about large volumes of recruitment. But if you're talking about specific executive search and stuff like that, I don't think it's going to take away from the really good recruiters and the really good exec search people because artificial intelligence can't tell the future. It's exactly the same as behavioral interviewing. It's looking at past performance predicts future behavior. It's not looking at what future behavior is, not as of yet. And if somebody has a piece of software that can do that, please send it to me at Adam Coleman uh, <laughs> at adam at hrlocker.com and I'd love to have a conversation with you. And CC me on that email as well, please. No, look, Adam, that's a great note to finish on. Thanks again for your time. It's much appreciated. Adam Coleman, uh, CEO and co-founder of HR Locker. Thanks for your time. And please do check us out uh, where you get your podcasts on Spotify and Apple. Mm -hmm.